Welcome to the Business Collective Podcast with Terry Fletcher. Weekly conversations and insights on how to go from employee to consultant in any business field where your years of expertise can be showcased. Take your career to the next level, entrepreneurship. Now here's your host, nationally recognized healthcare consultant, speaker, and author, Terry Fletcher. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Business Collective Podcast. My name is Terry Fletcher. Today's podcast is brought to you by Visa Gift Card. No fees after purchase. Use your Visa Gift Card in the U.S. everywhere Visa is accepted. Okay, so let's talk today about something I like to take a play on words uh, when it talks about entrepreneurship. And today I'm going to call us the solopreneur. So those of us that are the one woman or one man show. And I think there's a lot of, I don't know, maybe not misunderstanding, but kind of a an unknown out there on how to set your rates as a solopreneur. So an entrepreneur that does it all yourself. So there's four ways to set your rates. And this is just some of the things that I deal with, uh, as I've been doing this for over 30 years now. And I want you to do what's best for your business type, and the rest will just fall into place. But hopefully, I can give you some smart money moves. Look at some of the things that I've also studied with some of the master's classes I've taken and also uh, some of the books I've written on and also read on personal finance systems for freelancers, entrepreneurs. Also, I'm sure they've called side hustlers. Um, and it's just really helpful when you look at some of this information. And to maximize your earning potential, you need to know how to set the best rates for the type of work that you do. And there's a wide, wide variety of ways to set rates. And it's just all depend on how you prefer to do work your client's expectations on either the products or services that you sell. And there's some common ways that you can charge fees and just making sure that you stick to your guns and you don't let anybody kind of pigeonhole you into a box of, well, this is what I pay somebody else. And I've had that happen a couple of times to me over the years. I'm in California, so things tend to be a little higher here. And somebody says, well, you know, I'm in Idaho, and that we only pay this here. And I'm like, well, you know what, good luck with that. And I hope you find it again. And you also are going to have clients that are going to say, well, how about if I give you this? No, <laughs> you set your pricing, you make sure that you're understanding how, your value and your worth. And it means that your physician, your for me, it'd be physicians, but your clients would have to know exactly what the value is of your service. And so you have to really think about that. And your earning potential when you Uh, set your rates. So the first thing, charge retainer fees. So working on a retainer means that you charge clients a monthly minimum, no matter how much work you do. So for certain types of work, setting a monthly minimum number of hours or projects can actually make sense. Working on retainer ensures that you have enough revenue coming in every month to keep your business afloat. I actually have something like that. And it's actually called a membership. And there's pros for doing that because not only does it build a a good relationship and an ongoing relationship with that client, but also you can temper it based on history. So a membership for you offer some services. And in my case, it would be for coding and billing and reimbursement services and question and answer through email. And so I have a membership that's a a set price per year and it's for, for 12 months. And I even put on there unlimited coding questions, but I had to start limiting it after about four or five years to certain specialties, because then all of a sudden I realized that billing services were signing up for it and they were saying, well, we have 10 specialties and the questions were not paying for themselves. So when you have a physician's office that was doing it, it was easy because it'd have a cardiology practice or a separate orthopedic practice 
and I was getting maybe one to two a week and, or, you know, it was big at the beginning and then it kind of falls off and then they know to just really, or they, I think it was at the point where they just really contact you if they really need help and they try to figure it out on their own. But the pros of charging retainers fees, especially for services, is you do ongoing work for your client and you can build a close relationship with them to achieve your success. You can invoice clients regularly, uh, choose monthly, and that's usually what I like to do without having to keep a detailed record of your time because basically it's, it's a retainer fee, you know, that you've paid me for this amount and I, you know, it's whatever we do within that time period. You are also receiving recurrent payments, almost like a salary, which actually can give you a little bit more of a predictable, a predictable income or revenue. And that's very helpful. So for example, let's just put it out there. I'm not going to say how much I actually charge, but let's just say it's a thousand dollars a year. And if I've got 50 to a hundred clients, do the math, you know, right there, that's a $50,000, you know, just online business that is extremely part-time. You receive recurring payments again, like a salary, meaning that you know what's coming and you can scale your business by hiring contractors or employees to manage multiple clients. If I have an overflow, usually with contract work, but not with membership work, I would hire a subcontractor with what's going on in the world and some of the things that people are dealing with with employees and having to tap into that, you know, payment protection for payroll program and all that. I years ago decided not to do employees and, and, you know, you can, if that's something you want to do. But for me, I didn't want to deal with work comp insurance and health insurance and all of that. I'm a, like I said, a solo entrepreneur, so a solopreneur, and you may be as well. And so there's always a subcontractor or somebody that has similar skills that you can, if you need help, you can reach out to them. But also you create a stability for your business without needing to upsell current clients or to continually search for new ones. If you have a membership service, for example, or if you have that retainer service, they will tell people, especially when somebody says, well, how do you get your information? Well, I actually get it from Terry Fletcher. Oh, okay. Well, how does that work? Well, this is what we pay her. Here's her information. And I have a lot of referral business. It's actually probably 90% of my business is referral. I don't advertise anywhere. I haven't had to for at least 25 years. But it's nice because you, when you, especially when you uh, build a reputation and people say, oh, you know, this is who does this for me. But it also, just so you know, that's also very reciprocal. There are things that I just, it's not in my lane, if you will. And so I'll sub that out. But somebody will come to me and say, you know, we need somebody that can really work on a hospital inpatient DRGs, which are diagnosis related groupings for facility charges. Well, I don't do that. I do outpatient or I do professional, which is physician. Well, I know people who do that. So I can say, you know what, I don't do that, but let me give you a referral of somebody I trust. And I recommend that client is going to come back to me. And I've now kept that client because of what I can offer them as well. So those are the stability issues there. And then also it just helps you with that retainer fee where they don't mind paying it when they get a recurrent, you know, invoice or bill from you when it comes up for renewal. Now the cons of charging retainer fees, this is where it does get a little weird. You may be asked to do additional work that's not in your original agreement if you haven't set clear expectations or an hourly fee. And again, in, in my in my examples, I'll just in my field, um, something came up on a, a membership where I had somebody that refused to take any kind of education classes. And the membership is really to respond to questions of people that already really understand what they're doing within the field. 
And all of a sudden it says, I don't understand how to do cardiology coding. So I need you to explain it to me step by step. I'm like, no, no, no. If you have a question on, you know, I build this heart cath, it got a denial. And how do I, uh, why did I get denied on this injection, you know, uh, code, then I can help you with that. But to completely train you, that's not part of the agreement. That's something you have to take a class for. And I've included those things within my membership understanding. And so you have to do that as well. Make sure you're setting clear expectations. Your total hours worked may also fluctuate significantly from month to month. So that could make it difficult to schedule time sensitive work for other clients, or it could all of a sudden make you feel suddenly overworked or underworked. Be careful of that taking on too much. I think in our last episode, I said over promising can be a problem. I see a lot of fellow colleagues that will, you know, get a new client and say, I do this, that or the other, it turns out they don't. And they're subcontracting out everything. And the thing is, that's where you start to lose money if you didn't price it right to begin with under your retainer fee. And all of a sudden now you're having to go find somebody that can help you with something you don't do. And it just becomes kind of a, a nightmare. And now it's costing you money. Your clients may request to renegotiate your fee uh, when they do their annual budget. So that's okay, but just make sure you don't undercut yourself. Now you can be flexible, absolutely be flexible, especially if it's a long-term client. I am, I adjust fees sometimes as a courtesy, but it also depends on volume. If I notice their volume's going down, I'm like, "Mm, not so much. And then also your income while steady, it could be lower than with other billing options. So just know the retainer fees are great. And again, think about that as far as a membership service. That's always something that can be positive. I just set up one of my friends who's an accountant um, with membership services. And he was like, oh, I don't really want to hassle invoicing. And I'm like, well, your wife is a stay-at-home wife. She could do it for you. I'll teach her. She's one of my best friends. And I said, but you give away too much free information. And when somebody calls you or texts you or emails you or anything, you need to say, are you a member? And show them what your membership offers, especially as an accountant. And you can do it in 15 minute increments. You can, you know, do it based on time or whatever if you want to, but it's something to consider. And he started doing that and he's like, oh my gosh, I now have 20 clients. I charge what you said to charge and I'm making thousands of dollars not realizing and I'm not doing any work. I'm like, it's really easy to be on retainer for somebody and just be available. Charge hourly fees. That would be another option. So charging by the hour is common for many high paid professionals. Accountants and attorneys do it. And they keep detailed records of their work and provide clients with an itemized bill, sometimes broken down again into that 15 minute increment uh, with basically they'll say minimum of an hour. And if hourly invoices is common in your industry, it may be the best option, but it can come with a problem. If you're efficient, you limit your profitability. The better you are at your work, the less you get paid, which is why I don't tend to do things based on hourly because that's where I fit in. So unless you're, you know, your rates are completely over the top. So tracking every minute of your workday can also be a hassle. And every project needs to be profitable to consider charging a minimum per assignment. And so that's where, for example, I was just asked to contract on an auditing case with a a fellow colleague that I know. And she said, okay, so you know, there's 30 cases to do, I realize when I open it up, this isn't something I tackle. I've already contracted with them for this amount and they want to pay hourly. And I said, okay. I said, well, I pay per record. But then I looked at it and I said, I'm going to get this done in about an hour and a half. I go, and she's like, you're kidding. She goes, well, that based on your per record, that's not even going to meet the hour and a half that they're going to pay. I'm like, I'm seeing that. I, but her and I spent about a half an hour looking at spreadsheets, 
um, me understanding her project, her explaining to me what it was, me actually asking questions back and forth, trying to figure out some of the spreadsheet things. And I said, well, we've already put an hour into this. So remember, think like an attorney. When you're charging hourly fees, any collaborative efforts that you have to do with their staff, with your staff, anything to explain, to educate, to understand the project, that's part of that hourly fee. So she's already got an hour, which was billed at 300 an hour under her belt. She's like, oh, I didn't even think of that. I should do that more often. I'm like, yeah, don't give things away for free. If you're talking to people, if you, you know, you've got the contract and now you are having these conversations either to get more information, to query somebody or to have something better explained, that's part of your time. So don't give up your time when you're charging hourly fees. The pros of charging hourly fees is that you have a straightforward way to charge your clients that may fit with your desired lifestyle. You get paid fairly for your work, especially if you're highly skilled. But you can also bill for time on administrative work, like I said, and communication with clients. And that can cut down on a lot of unnecessary meetings and conference calls as well. Now, the cons of charging hourly fees, you may need to also work more hours from home to meet your income goals. And you may get pushback from a client if the work takes longer than they expected, or they receive a large invoice. So make sure you also have minimums as well. I do some work for uh, some of the offshoots of the FDA when they're trying to get through a new uh, healthcare code or a lab code. And some of the subcontractors for them will come to me and talk them through it and what they need to do. And I always say a minimum two hours because they try to give me $100 for 15 minutes. I'm like, no, my minimum is 400 an hour, minimum two hours. You want my time? You got to pay for it. So this is where you, you have to really make sure that you have a good understanding of what's going on there. You also may find it challenging to scale your business or have a reliable income from month to month with hourly. But, you know, you can incorporate hourly and also a uh, retainer if you want to, because sometimes you're just going to have some some small jobs or you're going to be a uh, subcontractor as well. And then charging flat fees per project. Now I do this quite a bit and I also have a day rate. So, and I have a a per record rate if I'm auditing, I have a rate just for uh, education. A perfect example. So if I do a webinar for you on some of the new, there's a new um, system coming out for coding for office visits for physician practices. And so I have a training module that I provide it. But if I do one, and it's, you know, on my website, but if I do one personally for your practice for 90 minutes, and it includes live question answered and the materials, I charge a flat fee, $1,900. Well, I had one group say, oh, that's too much. I'm going to go to this other company that only charged 600. I'm like, okay, good luck. Have a great time. And they were like, well, don't you want to renegotiate? I said, no, I'm 1900. You know, that's what it is. Okay. But for 90 minutes, I said, well, you're allowed to have up to 50 people on the call. And we reserve the last 15, 30 minutes for question and answered, if that's what you need live. And they're just like, okay, well, we're still going to go with this other company. I'm like, okay, that's fine. And that's more of a um, open forum where they're signing up for something that everybody's doing. It's not personalized. So they went ahead and did that. The doctors didn't get the questions they wanted answered. They couldn't say, well, I have this patient. And there wasn't enough time for more than 10 minutes of questions. So guess what? They went ahead and paid that 600. And now they're coming back to me and saying, we're going to go ahead and schedule with you another session. So now they're ended up ending up paying 2,500 because they paid for the cheaper one. And now they have to take my on my services anyway. So when you're charging flat rates, sell yourself, campaign, make sure you understand, they understand what it is. Um, and if it's a per project, let's say you're trying to give them something that is tangible 
you in certain industries such as web design or writing or engineering, you have to also account for some of those fees for that for that project. If you're more productive, this pricing method can allow you to earn basically the equivalent of a higher hourly rate without having to track your time because you're saying this is what the project is worth to me. Um, another project I'm starting on in one of my consulting um, associations that I'm part of is that I'm in a subcommittee and I'm creating content and a new podcast for them for the business of medicine. Well, I had a flat rate plus my producer plus everything that was included and gave a proposal said this is what it's going to be per year. And that was that was my bottom line. So then they had to come back and say, okay, they had some questions as far as how things would work. And that was great. And I said, well, this is what I'm willing to put in as far as my time, the minimum I'm, I'm you know, going to uh, be able to, uh, so, um, what's the word I'm looking for, be able to support my time as far as what I was charging. And then, you know, I'm subcontracting out some of the other stuff. And it was approved. So I didn't outprice myself out of the market. I was sensitive to the fact that the profits were not uh, really the return on investment wasn't there because we don't know yet. And it's kind of up in the air. We hope it's going to give vis- visibility and exposure and encourage for membership, but we don't know. And so that's kind of some of the dangers sometimes of charging flat fees. You could underestimate the time required to complete a project or your client may decide to change the scope of your work, ask for some revisions, taking more of your time and cutting into your profitability. So when you have a flat fee, make sure that you're clear on what that flat fee includes. Otherwise, um, you know, you could just get crazy. And so the pros of charging flat fees are your work has a clear beginning and end. So you can plan for a vacation time or work for other clients. And that's one of the things when I do auditing projects, I'm like, okay, well, I can fit you in here. And I'll give them usually 21 to 30 days to get it back to them. And if they adjust and I give them three different dates and three different uh, stop times and uh, end times. Otherwise, it just can take you forever. And also you get you lose track of some of the time and then that and then you don't have time for other clients. Also, one of the many pros when it comes to charging flat rate fees is that you receive an upfront lump sum payment for a portion of your work, which can boost your cash flow. Um, I charge 75% upfront and 25% on the back end when I'm completed. Now, some people do 50-50, some do a deposit. I have found that doesn't always work. And so I make sure that either all of the service and a very small amount is at the end, but I set those terms. Also, you may have a higher profit margin built into a short-term project, and then you don't need to keep detailed records of your time. You also may find it easier to sell clients on project-based work rather than open-ended hourly charges or ongoing retainer fees if it's really a project that you're working on for them that does have an endpoint. And then also use your short-term assignments to build experience, client relationships, and also referrals. Now, the, the cons of charging flat rates, okay, so a, a client could push back on a project or campaign schedule, or they could delay your final payment. That's why I try to make the final payment a small amount. And I always do the final payment upon receipt of the final uh, report. It is net 30 days. But that's why you get a, a lot up front. And also in my contracts, I say, based on the schedule of the practice of the physician, there is no refund of fees. I actually have a client right now that paid over 13000 up front. It's sitting in an account right now. And I've asked them three times, when are we starting this project? It was supposed to start in August, supposed to start in September. And according to their contract, 
their initial fees are defaulted as of October 1st if we don't get started and they have to start over with their contract. And they signed it and they sent me that money. So now knowing me, because I worry about that, I still have it in a separate account. But, you know, those are things that you have to build into contracts and think about. You also made to, you also need to continue selling additional jobs to new clients. And so to ensure you have future income streams. So that's another, you know, kind of a con there. And you may find scaling your business difficult when you have unreliable or variable revenue based on projects only. Now, commission fees, I don't like this, but this is something you have to, you know, you have to consider, especially if you are in sales. So if your work directly helps clients sell their products or their services, you might charge a commission fee based on sales. So working on commissions can result in inconsistent income, however. So if your expertise and knowledge of territory are valuable to a client, then they may reward you handsomely. The pros of charging commissions, you're highly incentivized to help clients make sales. You may have a lot of flexibility on how you work and achieve your results. You don't have to keep detailed record of your time, and you may find it easy to form long-term relationships with clients who view you as a critical partner for their business growth. But the cons of charging commission fees, again, sometimes it's hard to track and you may have a long sales cycle that delays your payment or they start to see, you know, the sales coming in and then they don't want to pay you thinking, well, we can do this ourselves. You also may have significant expenses related to making sales, which can cut into your profits. And you may file find scaling your business difficult with unreliable variable revenue. So no matter how you choose to charge fees, Keep in mind that a robust accounting and invoicing system will really help you manage it all and do what works best for your business type and the rest, I promise you, will just fall into place. So that's it for me this week. Hopefully that was helpful on the solopreneur and how to set your fees and the options that you have out there. Everybody make it a great day and a great week and thank you for listening to the Business Collective Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Business Collective Podcast. Drop us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Check out our website and blog at www.business-collective.com.